afternoon. This is Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. I'm Shannon. You are. I am. Tonight or today we're talking about children. And they're very precious to God. And very precious to all of us too. Yes. Um, if you have children or grandchildren, you understand that concept. Uh, nothing more beautiful in the world, world than the birth of a baby. And nothing or, more joyful than the raising of a child. I, I, I really, really believe that. Um, well, I have, I'm just going to start right off into scripture, Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it'd be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. That is Matthew mm. 18, 1 through 6. And I guess I, I, I had thought about us talking about children because uh, there's the world is taking our children away. Take it, take it, trying to, we saw just, was that just this morning? Children are being arrested because of violence, mm-hmm. and they don't learn that naturally. They learn no. that they're groomed to be violent. And then there's other children who are exposed to stuff about deviant sexual behavior at a very young age, and they aren't. Their childhood is being taken away from them. And then I also see on the other side, some people will say. I will not have any children. I will not bring children into this world. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that is completely contrary to God's will because children bring light into the world. When children can just be children, the whole whole room lights up when a happy child walks in and we can learn from them. And so I think we need to fight for childhood. Yeah, I've got an interesting article here that I've been reading about. Um, how, when, and how this all changed. Okay. Because if we look at history, we look at the history, just, let's just talk about the history yeah. of the United States, how things have changed in, in the role of children and what children do. Mm-hmm. And this, uh, this doctor here, um, Stephen Mintz, he's a history professor at the University of Texas in Austin. And talking about it, he says, you know, it's interesting to look at how at one time, children were servants. Mm. They were going to be apprenticed. Oh, right. They were going to do these things. Mm-hmm. And now we think it's so much better for kids. But it's gone from an extreme to an extreme. And now kids are structured so much. Mm-hmm. Their time is structured. They're, they're going to sports. They're going to lessons. Adults supervised everything. Mm-hmm. And they are in a such a structure, they don't have any free time. They don't have any imagination. They don't have mm-hmm. any just run. We remember as kids being able to just run off and do whatever we wanted. Mm-hmm. And your parents would tell you, go, go play, go enter, go entertain yourself, mm-hmm. go do something. You didn't need a screen. You didn't need anything supervised. You didn't need to be told. You just went and did things. That's what we did with our kids. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's better for kids, but it, it, uh, generationally, we have changed more and more and more to the point where kids are becoming more and more and more structured and supervised. And also, 
um, screen time and things like that and exposure to outside. You know, when I was a kid, um, one of the favorite things you'd play with is a stick. And people laugh and think that's funny, but really that stick could be anything and your imagination could run it and you could roll with it and anything you wanted happened in your imagination. Now with screens, uh, whether it's a phone or a computer or video games or whatever, everything is structured. You do what it tells you to do. You do exactly what you're told to do. And sometimes you're told to do very negative things, but it's so structured that we're taking the imagination out. Mm -hmm. We're taking the freedom out of the kids. Mm -hmm. They can't just be. Mm -hmm. So, and I've read that uh, it's you need to get the kids, allow them to be bored. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I do remember being bored as a kid sometimes, but mm -hmm. then you start thinking on your own and you start trying to figure out what to do. You don't. Uh, I think I told our kids if you if you come and tell me you're bored, you're gonna I'll give you a job to do. You know, you're bored. Okay, you know. Mm -hmm. Do the dishes. Of course, that never happened. So I guess my kids never said that to me because, right? I didn't. <laughs> that didn't happen. But well, but we encourage our chil our children to read and mm -hmm. so do outside. things like that. Do it yourself. Yeah. Read for yourself. Yes, we read to them, but also we had them reading for themselves and coming up with their own things. And they would come up with fantastic stories. I have a another verse. Mm -hmm. Psalm 127.3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of their womb, a reward. I, I just think we need, to, we need to push back on any of these things in society that are trying to, and it's, I agree with you, the structure, we need to, you got to let your ch children just kind of have time to play, because play mm -hmm. is part of the way they learn, mm -hmm. but these these policies, the things we see in the media, the the things they're exposed to, we need to very much protect them from all this negative stuff because it will steal their childhood away and it'll taint them. And uh, and a lot of what's happened to childhood is because of the the breakdown of a nuclear family. Yeah, we have a lot more single parents out there, which is a very challenging, very hard thing to do. We have a lot more. Um, dual profession or, or two job households mm -hmm. where the kids are going into daycare mm -hmm. right off the bat and they spend more time with, with Seven other adults months. supervising them. Yeah. Um, things like, and it's, it's hard today. It's harder today to, to not be that way. Um, you know, it's expensive and it's hard for people to, you know, it's easy for someone to both parents to get a job. It's going to be financially a lot easier than right. if you, have a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad and it's also um but so we're not as free as we used to be right like, you know you lived it you lived in a more urban area than i did but i had cousins that lived in town and stuff and even when i went to their place we'd get on bikes and we just tear off in the streets and we got home before the street lights came on that was it mm -hmm. now people are scared to death to let the kids wander the streets yeah, well, there's a lot of the knowledge the predators probably have always been there, but they're worse now. And yeah. um, the fear of something happening makes you kind of hover over your kids and they can't go very far. I want yeah. you close. I want you nearby. And that's why a lot of extremely young kids are now getting cell phones because the parents can't let them be out of contact. I have to be able to call you. Um, and the world has changed. And the way that children are raised is to, 
has changed also. And um, although the technology can be an awesome thing, mm -hmm. it is an awesome thing to be able to have your teenager going from point A to point B with a cell phone so they can call you if the car breaks down or if they get into trouble. That is a great thing. But our parents didn't lose sleep about us running around loose and not having a cell phone, and it was okay. Now it's almost unimaginable mm -hmm. that we somebody be out of contact for eight hours, you know. Um, and in doing so, we have that technology has also opened the kids up to seeing so many negative things in the world. I have these mental health stickers, mm -hmm. and one of them says, "Social media is bad for your health." And I seriously, I, mm -hmm. that is so bad for, well, adults, but really bad for kids because their self-esteem, their, who they are starts changing. They're so vulnerable to what other people say about them or comment or like, or dislike. And it's actually a medical condition now. Uh, social media addiction is considered a, a medical condition yeah. and all of the social media is intentionally engineered to grab the kid and keep them there. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that's what they do. That's how they make the money. That's, right. you know, that's all those kind of things. But what they do is they get these kids so addicted to it mm -hmm. and so pulled into it that that becomes a major influence in their life. Mm -hmm. um, we've all seen kids that scream unless you hand them your phone. Yeah. Got to play a game. Got to watch a movie. Got to do something. Um, and it's even worse. 97% of teenagers in the United States are on social media. Mm -hmm. So whatever is on that social media, whatever exposure you have on that social media is open and available to those kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, a week ago we had uh, a mass school shooting in Evalde, Texas, by an 18-year-old boy who said he was going to do that on a social media website. And he was had been talking about it for a long time before he did it talking to other teenagers from around the world. Not even, there was a, a, a young lady in Britain who came forward afterwards and said, this is the guy that's been saying these things. They didn't know exactly who he was until then. And then they figured it out, mm -hmm. but you know, they're exposed to um, overt sexual things that they, the kids should not be exposed to. They're exposed to violence. They're exposed to horrific behavior that is that is celebrated celebrated and accepted to the point where if you're not doing it you're you're outside of the norm mm -hmm. so their norms have changed to the point where their their exposure to these things um allows for a lot of predatory behavior both by um you know child sexual predators and things like that but also the predatory nature of social media itself yeah just itself. Um, and I personally, and I know a lot of adults have kind of taken a break from social media. I don't scroll through Facebook very much. I don't do that kind of stuff anymore mm. because it, it can be toxic. Mm. You can get involved in, in, in stuff like that. And if you can get into art, um, I noticed this as a teacher at school, kids will say anything on social media. Mm-hmm. And there's no repercussions for saying anything. Right. They would not say it out loud. They would not look mm -hmm. you in the face. They would not do that. But I remember it, and it's been a lot of years ago now, um, when there was a traumatic event 
and we had a bunch of teenagers together uh, that came together to help one teenage boy who was um, part of this event. And they were all sitting around at a table on their phones. There was four of them, and they were sitting around on a table. And I went and asked one of them, who are you talking to? And he looked up and nodded his head at the kid across the table. They were sitting there but couldn't look at each other in the eye and have a conversation, but they could type it out with their thumbs. Yeah. So they're losing the ability to communicate directly Mm -hmm. and part of that gives them courage to say things they wouldn't normally say Mm -hmm. because there's no consequence Mm -hmm. if you say it to someone's face you're going to get an immediate reaction whether it's someone who uh, punches you in the face or somebody who laughs at your joke you get an immediate or you don't have someone laugh at your joke or you have someone reject you face to face it's dangerous a good rule for i don't know how you can enforce this with kids if you're allowing Mm -hmm. them on social media anything you say on social media, it can't be something you wouldn't say in person. Well, that's, yeah, that's what you try and tell your kids. But I think one of the things that parents have to really watch closely is they have to be involved enough to know what your children are looking at Yes, and who they're talking to. Um, From a law enforcement standpoint, it is so easy, so easy for someone online, for a 50-year-old man online to say he's a 15-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. or a 15 year old girl mm-hmm. and talk to a kid on social media and grab, grab a picture off of uh, Google, Google images and put it up there and say, this is who I am. Right. And in doing all those things in, in processing it that way, um, it gives kids a false sense of security. Yeah. It's, it's in, then it's kid. within their world, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's really not, mm-hmm. you know? And I think a lot of the things like, um, gender dysphoria and all the other things we're going through right now. Um, that's fact, another thing. That's, that's another thing. The childhood stuff away. It is. And it's, it's a, it's a, it's a nasty pernicious thing that's happening. And we're putting our kids at risk by allowing exposure to it. Yeah. And by, especially by accepting it. Yeah. Don't accept it because, you know, when we were kids, I would never have thought, you know, maybe I'm not a girl. Maybe I'm a boy. Maybe I'm an it. That's too many choices for a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, keep it simple. If I'm born a girl, I'm a girl. If I'm born a boy, I'm a boy. That's, I mean, it's that simple. There's, mm. to make it harder than that is wrong. It's it's anti-God. Well, and to throw all sorts of different options and different thoughts and different possibilities at kids, they get overwhelmed by it. And when it's trending on social media to come say, well, I'm this or I'm that, uh, to label so early on is so negative. And there's a lot of dangers in that stuff, too. Um, there's a lot of dangers in, in some of the ways that people are treating the, the hormone-blocking drugs and the things like that. Our bodies weren't meant to do that. No. I mean, you're, you're, you're putting poison in a child's body if you allow that kind of stuff. I mean, God did not create that body to have, you know, hormones Mm -hmm. that weren't supposed to be there. And I I just, I don't don't know, like like right now, let's say someone's listening, they have young kids, or they have little tiny toddlers, and they want to, as much as they can, without stifling their children or boxing them in, they want them to just be able to grow and be kids and experience kids stuff and and, and become healthy adults. I mean, what kind of, what kind of guidelines can we give them? Cause we don't, God t- 
tells us to be not of the world, but in the world. So we need to be part of the world as far as interacting with people, because how else are they going to meet Jesus? And so our kids have to interact with other kids who who is are very likely exposed to all this stuff. But how do we navigate this, allowing our kids just to be free, but also doing our very best to allow them to grow up as a kid needs to grow? Mm. I mean, so what kind of things can we give people some some advice, you know, because I know I would want advice right now because this is a, a scary world. It is. And the, the sad reality, the fact is that in a society, especially our kids and our teenagers, you know, teenagers always rebel against their parents. They'll find a way to rebel somehow. Yes. And the, the blanket statement is you just don't understand. You're too old. You don't get it. All of those kind of things have been coming out of teenagers' mouths probably since they were walking around with walking around with clubs and, yeah. and hunting frogs. It's to this point to, to the point where we are now. Um, the problem is that that rebellious nature has become celebrated mm-hmm. and the norm. Mm-hmm. And if a child is not rebellious, there's something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And if they're not um, going along with whatever the whatever the, the situation is, or the parents disagree with it, then the parents are bigots and they're biased mm-hmm. and they're prejudiced. And um, treating some of, the, some of the behavioral issues now in the world as if it was like a race issue. Mm-hmm. It was, it's completely different. Racial issues and the civil rights movement of the 60s is completely different than um, all the things that are going on now. You know, and when we look biblically, this is not the way children are supposed to be. And it's not, it's not the way that children were meant by God to be raised. They were meant to be raised in a family. They're a gift. Um, Psalm 127.3 says, children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. Parents should be treating those children um, as children, mm-hmm. as gifts, not as trophies. Mm, that's that's uh, good. They're not supposed to be a helicopter parent that's, you know, trying to make whatever child you are, if you weren't able to get into pro sports, that's no excuse for you to take your child and force them into a sport year-round where they're playing year-round sports constantly, constantly, constantly. Um, and sometimes even without even asking the child if they want to. Yeah. But I thought one one uh, one piece of advice. Mm-hmm. Do not fear, because God tells us, do not fear. God is bigger than anything that will come at your child, and he can protect your child better than you can. So we have to have a balanced view. Mm. We have to have a balanced view as far as we can't put a cage around them, mm-hmm. unless they deserve it. <laughs> and we we can't, we don't want to raise fearful children. Right. So we have to, oh, something, and I, I don't know if this. Yeah, we, we've had friends that homeschooled their children mm-hmm. and instilled a sense of fear in them where they were scared of the entire world. Yeah, and that's not good. And that's not a healthy way of looking at it either because we are, Jesus overcame the world. And we are, we are conquerors because of him. So we, we need to raise our children to know right from wrong, to know yes from no, to know those things and also have confidence in Christ so that they can walk 
in the way Christ wants us to and work. Two, mm-hmm. we need to teach our kids how to discuss things, how mm-hmm. to disagree in a in a, a civil way. Yep. Because nobody does that. No, I mean, civil discussion is is a is an art form that is being lost in this in our society. Uh Oh, okay. So I don't know if this applies, but for some reason it it popped in my head. How uh, experts at uh, counterfeit money, how they train is they really study like a dollar bill for dollars to know exactly what the real thing looks like rather than looking at fake ones. Because once you know what the real thing look at looks like, you can spot the problems with it. So the same thing as far as your family and how you should act, like you say, teach them good, right and wrong. But we as parents need to model oh, how how God wants us to be. Right. But teach them how, let them be kids and just mm-hmm. kind of guide them and direct them. And and as far as um, any kind of screens that they're exposed to, including TV, computer stuff like that, I'd say all that has to be out in the family room, family area. Mm. They can't be. On a screen, in their room by their, and, in their room, because yeah. that can be dangerous, you know. And maybe when they get to be a junior in high school, or, or you have to decide whatever's best for each kid. But Well, and you also have to, I, when we look at society today, this is another issue that I see. And I see it way too often, unfortunately, because of the exposure I've had with kids. You said, let the kids be kids, but let the parents be parents. Yes. Do, parents don't act like a child. No. You're not your your child's best friend. You're not going partying with your kids. You're not. No. None of those things are good for the child. The, the child and again, needs they're to be not seen as example. They, what the example they need to see is of someone who is responsible and who is respectful, and someone who is judicious in their speech and in their actions. Um, if you want to raise a child to be a a good adult, be a good adult yeah. yourself. I think. You know, eventually, as your child ages, hopefully they'll be in your life when they're adults, maybe start having their kids. You can start to transition as their friend then. But before that, you're not mm. their friend. No, they're they they're going to hate you at times, and that's okay. They need to. They're going to disagree with you when you're not thinking the way they're thinking. But they need to understand that yeah, you're the parent. And you, you need right. to put your foot down. You need to be the parent. You need to... You need to Allow them to hate you. Allow the, to The third book of John, uh, chapter 1, verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Oh, there is no greater joy than to see your children become adults. Especially we find great joy in the fact that one of our children is, has a child of her own now and another one on the way as grandparents. To see that child walking in the truth and raising a child in the truth. Mm-hmm. To see generationally that the things that we valued are being passed on mm-hmm. and forwarded, and that is that is such a blessing in our lives. It doesn't always happen that way. No, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. That was First Thessalonians five five. I guess I bring that out because uh, another thing children do, and and I do think it, if you go. All, Abortion has killed so many thousands and thousands, mm. probably millions of babies. 63 million children since Roe v. Wade was just passed in the, in US. the United States alone. Those kids were meant to be lights in our world. I mean, what if they were alive now? Maybe 
the, the next, the person who's going to solve the plastic bottle problem was killed, you or know? the person who's going to come up with a cure for cancer. Yeah, or someone who's going to be a really good mama or a really good daddy. And we lost so much with those those children who were killed. But So that's one way society's taking our children away. Another way is these exposing them to these sexual deviant behaviors and 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 things that children they don't naturally think about that stuff. No. I remember when our daughter Maggie, she she's the same age as our son Pete, but a few months older. And probably girls are always tend to be a little emotionally more mature than mm. boys at you know in elementary and stuff. Okay, not always, but a lot of times. She, she was, she's gone to heaven now, but she was more mature than Pete. Okay. So I'll just say those two. Mm -hmm. So, and then we have a younger child than those two. And so she was probably 10 or 11. And she said to me, mom, she wanted to know what happened in sex or how babies. So I told her and she went, ew, that really should be a kid's reaction. Ew. Cause it sounds gross. You know, when you're mm. a kid and I said, well, don't. Don't tell your brother and sister. She goes, I'm not going to tell them now. But I mean, that's, I mean, naturally a kid in elementary, if they hear about it, that should be it. But now they, if you, so many TV shows, you can't even watch them with your kids. You sh we shouldn't be watching stuff. Or commercials. Oh, I in mean, the middle of a. That's a yawn, yawn pause. Yeah, excuse me. In the middle of a harmless family show commercial comes on that just makes you cringe oh and it's 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 so pervasive in our society and it's so pervasive in our children they get exposed to so much and sometimes it is beyond your control yeah. what they are exposed to and if that happens i would talk to them about it don't let it just fester in their brain well bring it up before that ever happens, you better have an open dialogue with your children so that you can talk to them yes, when that comes yes, up. Yes, yes, yes. So they should be able to come to you and say, hey, somebody told me this today. Is yes, that right or wrong? Is yes. that true or false? That kind of stuff. Because if we raise children the way they're meant to be raised, when they're old, they won't depart from it. Mm -hmm. If we raise our children in this world to overcome the world, then they will be advocates and strong and we will raise their own children. Generationally, we'll see success. If we have our, ch if we have children that are abandoned to the world, then don't be surprised if the world takes control. Yeah. Now that being said, we all just do the best we can do the very best you can and just try to let your children be children. doesn't mean it's always going to go the right way. No. We've had to leave and, I don't know if they'll ever come back. Maybe, well, it doesn't matter. I mean, that's, but, and that's out of, beyond our control. But Yeah, but you just give those, you give, give that to God and let God take care of it. Yeah. But as parents, our role is to do the best we can. And both as being an adult ourselves and being a parent. And when that, when we do it right and something goes wrong, then you let God take it. Another thing that's important. If you are in a married, if you're, if it's married, you need to have a very strong marriage and let your kids see that. And you know what? It's, if you have a fight with your spouse, let them see it and then let them see you work it out. Right. Because that's another thing. People just automatically move in with their boyfriend or girlfriend. There's not even a, a thought about it. Well, of course we're going to live together. 
now it's kind of like, are you going to get married? Oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's it, That is such a breakdown of the family, and people don't think it matters, but it does. But You've got to do it God's way. And I've, I've done sermons on it before. The statistics are just um, astronomical when you look at the statistics of what happens with kids that were raised in a nuclear family, what happens, compare that to kids that were raised in a single parent family or a two parent, two household family, Mm -hmm. or there's so many things that can happen. And when we look at children today that are so troubled that they're violent or that they are, are so disrespectful and nasty. And you look at those kids and you think, what is wrong with that child? A lot of times what's wrong with that child is the fact that they don't go home and see a natural, safe uh, relationship between two people who love them mm-hmm. unconditionally and love each other unconditionally. And everybody has the entire family's health and well-being as a primary concern. I um, Another thing, if, if you're married, and, and all marriages at, at certain points have their struggles because it's a relationship. It's an ongoing relationship. There's one thing, and I don't know if people say this anymore, but I remember like when we were kids, people would say, we're staying together for the kids. And then there was a thing that said, well, I'm not going to do that. That's a bad reason to stay married. You know what? No, it's a good reason. Cause, but don't just hang on. Work it out. And don't just stay married on paper, actually work it out where you have a strong marriage because that's God's will for you. Well, in this situation, um, in, a, in the way the society is right now, marriage is not considered a commitment by a lot of these kids. They don't consider it a commit, a life commitment, which is what it's intended to be. Instead, it's, it's just a formalization of playing house together yeah. and they can stop whenever they want to. I remember as a kid... Growing up in elementary school, I knew one child of a divorced parent. Yeah. One. Yeah. I only knew one in my entire elementary school. I knew one. Um, and then later on, my parents divorced. Yeah. And that messed up our family. Yeah. It messed up all of us. Um, but it, it's, it has gotten to the point now where what we would have considered pillars of absolute right and wrong no longer exist yeah. for these kids. Unless we train them that that's the way it should be, they won't understand it. And And you know what? We have to model it. If you are in a situation where, um, for whatever reason, there there is a single parent, or whatever reason there is a separation and divorce, um, you have to bite the bullet and tell your kids that that's not the right thing and that's not the way it should be. Yeah. You have to tell them this is not the way it should be. It is, but it's not the way it should be. Yeah. We'll do our best, but this you know it should not intended. should not be the way we are we are meant to live by God in, in a family relationship. So, um, and that's a that's a hard conversation, but it, it's a necessary one, or else your kids are going to go through the same cycle. Yeah. The more um, the more society breaks down, the more this is going to accelerate. Mm-hmm. And the, the the more important it is for us to be a strong and loving representation of what a marriage is supposed to be and what a family is supposed to be. If you have a family, if you hold on tight to your kids and, and just rate the ones, the kids 
What am I trying to say? I'm not sure. I don't know. We need a lot more people in this world who are living for Jesus and loving people and loving Jesus and being bold in their faith, being courageous in their faith. And these days, that has to include our kids, too. We just have to, we have to pattern for them to see, let them see you talking to somebody about Jesus. This has to start becoming normal for us because so many people are lost and they, they need to see us be strong for Jesus and they need to see our strong families and, and be exposed to our strong families because they can go, oh, that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, we always, it was a, it was a thing in our house and it's a thing in a lot of people's houses I know where our kids didn't really go to anybody else's house. But they brought a lot of people to ours. Mm-hmm. Especially when we were in Blunt. Here, oh. not so much because we live out. Yeah, but we, when we were close enough that the kids could walk to us, we fed a lot of kids in town. <laughs> they would come and eat with us. Um, they would spend time with us. And they, some of them were from very dysfunctional families, but they got a chance to see a functioning family. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's something, another outreach that we can do as parents. Mm-hmm is to help our children to not only for our children to see it, but our children to see the other side of things Mm -hmm. and see how things can change, how they can be better. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a scary world in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And if we do nothing, we have no excuse. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the old saying, all that is necessary for evil to win is for good men to do nothing. And I think, in parenting that is more profound than anything else because if we allow the world to crumble around us and do not address it with our kids, we should not be surprised if our kids crumble at some point mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Well, this really took a different turn than I thought. And it's a very interesting discussion and, and you know, it might be one that we can revisit sometime because there's a lot more to talk about. So Yeah. I guess I just knew – the reason why I brought this topic up is I just see society stealing our children away. Mm. Our children as a whole. I see children, them. yeah, children as a whole that are being lost and lost generation. It's worse where we're at, I think, yeah. than some places in some ways. But of course, I'm only in one place, so I, I'm not everywhere. But Ex- I, I look actually, at I, I look mean, here at the, uh, on, the res- on the reservation. I look at. The number of kids that I have taught that are living with grandparents, yeah, not their parents. I mean, there's one woman that I know who's had 13 children, has custody of none, and she's never been married. Mm. And I think there's six or seven different fathers. Mm. Um, But that is seen as normal. I've taught some of the children, and one is being raised by her grandparents in the way that she should go, and she is doing well. Others have been passed around a lot and are all struggling. And mm-hmm. I think um, we, because of the church and because of the school and the, the other things we're exposed to, um, it is blatantly obvious to us here. Now, it may be that way in other places too. Yeah. But I think we, we do have an extreme here. Mm-hmm. I think this is an extreme. So um, it's something we try and combat, something we try and work on, um, you know, Go out and coach kids. They might not have a father. If you're the, you're the chance to be the only father figure in your life, you can have a profound effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, VBS, mm-hmm. Sunday school, just down the list. You have the ability as an adult to reach out and touch the world in many, many ways. 
And it, and also, if you don't have kids, that doesn't mean you can't affect them. I, either you know, there's teaching, but I'll, just you be you and love them, love the kids that come into your life, mm-hmm. and you're doing an amazing thing. I have one little story to tell before we leave. Oh, good. Is it funny? Uh, yeah. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, <laughs> when Jane and I were first married, she was stationed in upstate New York. We were both in the military, in the Army. I was stationed in North Carolina. And um, I ended up having to move off base because we were married. So I rented a little trailer house in this little trailer park off the, just off the borders of the base in North Carolina. And it was, um, oh, there's, it was a mixed crazy trailer park, the way crazy trailer parks are. There was, there was mixed races. There was all sorts of incomes, all sorts of whatever you'd, you'd find in, in a low income area like this. And Jane came to visit. Yeah, when we were married. There. We were married, but we, we, we still we weren't live together yet. Still weren't in the same place. So we were in different areas of the United States, but we were married. And she came down and she made a huge batch of chocolate chip cookies and went out and gave them to the kids in the trailer park and told them that this is the trailer that I lived in. And if they came to that house, I would have cookies for them. She was visiting. <laughs> And she left. I got very good at whipping up real quick batches of cookies because I had kids that would see me come home. At the end of the day, I'd come home from from the base and and drive home, and they would see me, and they'd start yelling, and I'd see them coming. And they expected cookies. (laughs) So at night, before I went to bed, I would make cookies because I knew that those kids were going to come and be banging on the side of the trailer until I came out with cookies. She made me into the cookie man. So, <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up. We've gone longer than usual. but Okay, cookie man. Yeah. But just hug your kids. Love your kids. Be active in your kids' lives. But also let them be actively children on their own. Yeah. Let them be bored. Yeah. Bye. God bless. It's coming. Bye.